Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket, where we chat with today's most inspiring and successful healthcare leaders. Really want to thank you for tuning in today, and if you love what you hear today or in general, visit outcomesrocket.com slash reviews, and that'll take you straight to our Apple Podcasts, where you could leave us a rating and review. We love hearing from our listeners, so drop us a line there. Always excited to hear from you. Without further ado, I want to introduce to you my outstanding guest. Her name is Dr. Vanessa Carey. She's the CEO of Seed Global Health. Seed Global Health is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to work closely with developing country partners to promote and support new generations of health professionals, to serve as global health educators and work within countries facing critical human health care resource shortages. She is also a doctor in critical care at MassGen and has an outstanding history of just being a contributor in healthcare. Without further ado, I just want to open up the microphone to our special guest and let her fill in any of the gaps in that intro. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to join you. um, And it's a really I think tremendous thing that Outcome Rocket is doing just in terms of trying to highlight stories in health, especially. I think that one of the things we always talk about at Seed is that health is really the underpinning of almost everything that we do or want to do in life. And so telling these stories is incredibly important and we're really honored to be able to join you. Ah, Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Carey. And so why don't you share that beginning story, that first domino that led to it all? What is it that got you into healthcare? You know, what got me into healthcare in the first place, I'm not actually so sure I know. I think that was just a very intrinsic thing in me. I was always interested in science in general. And then I had an outstanding biology teacher, Prabha Papali, in seventh grade. And wow. Mrs. Papali just, I had something about the way she taught her own excitement about the work ignited biology, especially for me. And I actually decided in seventh grade that I was going to be a surgeon. I had no idea what that would, you know, I'm not a surgeon, but at that point, that was (laughs) my idea of being a physician. And so I was always determined to go to medical school. I think that what became interesting is how that got shaped and molded by various experiences in my life. One being the daughter of two public servants. I had a father that was very engaged in international relations. And I had a mother who was very proactive about fighting the stigma of depression and talking about depression at a time when nobody else was. Mm. Both my parents grew up abroad. And so I had a real understanding of how you can be 100% American, love this country, but still understand how we weave into the world outside of our borders. And then I think through my own experiences that I had, I really realized that I wanted to be engaged in global health. And one of the stories I always tell is that I had this unbelievable privilege of going to Vietnam when I was 14 and really saw an extraordinary poverty unlike anything I'd ever seen before Yeah, and couldn't really make any sense of it as a 14-year-old. I just hung on to that experience. And that ended up catapulting me to spending a lot more time abroad, working in Uganda, working in Rwanda. And so as I was finishing up my residency, I really knew solidly that I was going to have a career that worked on the health disparities 
in the world, both what we see in very resource-limited countries abroad, as well as I think becoming invested in what some of the disparities are in this country. Wow. What a story and, and really appreciate you sharing that, you know, a combination of your parents and teachers and then also your exposure to the world has sort of taken you around the globe and around this, this system of healthcare to now frontline practitioner to now leading this amazing team in this effort that you have at Seed Health. So really excited to jump into some of these things, Vanessa. What would you say a hot topic that should be on every medical leader's agenda today? And how are you guys addressing that? It's a great question. I actually very strongly believe that one of the most important topics we could be addressing in any health-related or leader's agenda needs to be people. And how do you train really good people? How do you have the right resource mix of people? And how do you have them working in the right place, urban versus rural, clinical versus hospital? How do you incentivize people to create that spread? And I think very importantly, how are you keeping them in the healthcare industry? And I think that's an issue in any country, whether it's the United States or elsewhere, and certainly in the places we work. So Seed Global Health really invests in the space. We are training future doctors, nurses, midwives in countries that have very severe shortages of these health professionals. And these health professionals are critical because they're the leaders of their healthcare system. They are able to not only provide outstanding care to patients immediately, but they're able to support the healthcare, all the health workers and health folks in the healthcare workforce across the health system. And very importantly, they're able to train their successors so that you can ensure there's a pipeline of qualified providers that are going to be available to these countries that are in, you know, face these incredible shortages. Just to give an example, A country like Tanzania has one woman die every hour from a complication of pregnancy or childbirth, one every hour. Yet this is a country that has only one physician and 24 nurses for every 100,000 people. Wow. To put that into perspective, you know, the United States has about 240 physicians and 980 nurses for the same population. So we're talking about really severe shortages of healthcare providers and Mm. I think this is going to be one of the really critical uh, crises that we're going to be seeing globally if we don't do something about it. And it's, it's even measurable and predicted. The World Health Organization knows that if we don't step in and do something about the human resources for health crisis in the world, there were the shortage is going to grow from 7.2 million doctors, nurses, midwives to 18 million by 2030 if we don't change how we're addressing this. It is a definite issue. And even here in the States too, you like shortages are happening. How do you retain people from getting out of this business of healthcare? We have the issue here in the States too. It's even bigger abroad. And so you seem to be a leader, Vanessa, that loves to tackle difficult challenges, right? You go to critical care where it's definitely not the easiest problems to address in healthcare. And now you're, you're going to these countries, Malawi, Tanzania, Uganda, right? This just these countries that really need help and you're doing the grassroots efforts. Can you give us an example of what you guys have done to create change and better outcomes there? Absolutely. So I can give you two examples. One example would be in Malawi in nursing, where we had one of our nurse volunteer or nursing clinical educators, Mindy Weschler, was working in Hospital Northern Malawi. And during her work, she saw trauma and surgical patients who were getting their dressings and other things done without any pain medication. And 
she realized that there really was a lack of understanding of how much pain medication could help and that it could be used appropriately and that there was a fear of addiction of these pain medications. And so using a small grant that we supported, she gathered some of her colleagues and they worked together to do a practice improvement project where they ended up really redesigning not only the algorithms and protocols by which pain medication could be given for these patients, but how the medications are distributed in the hospital, how they're sort of accessed. And so what happened was that they ended up redoing this whole education program. And it not only got successfully rolled out in the ward so that patients were getting their dressings changed and other procedures done with appropriate pain medication, but it ended up getting rolled out across the hospital. And I think it's been a real example for other locations about how this can be done appropriately. And it means that patients' dressings were being changed, wounds were being kept clean, they were getting appropriate treatment and care, infections go down. It has a real, in addition to just relieving people of horrible pain, it has a real impact also just on outcomes and how people do. And I think that's a really, you know, I think for us, powerful story of how one person can institute a pretty large systemic change. That's amazing. Another another example is um, Dr. Ali Asghar Khaki, who was a medical student in Tanzania, taught by one of our clinician educators. And after spending a couple weeks with our clinician educator, Dr. Esther Johnson, he went on to one of his other rotations. And as they were doing morning rounds, there's a baby that wasn't breathing. And Ali Asgar instituted the protocols he learned with our clinician educator, realized the baby still had a pulse. He could Hmm. resuscitate this baby, save the baby's life. And Ali Asgar was so affected by the realization that he could have such an impact on a patient life with just knowledge, not even more equipment necessarily. He ended up organizing a training for 200 other providers at his hospital, became a master trainer in neonatal resuscitation, now is traveling Tanzania teaching others. And if you ask him what he wants to do when he finishes training, he'll tell you he wants to be a Tanzanian doctor who stays in Tanzania and who teaches others and his successors. And I think that's the kind of real example that we're trying to show because what Seed Global Health does is we address things on a very personal individual level through relationship and sort of, you know, shared problem solving. But we then really try to institute that systemically and to have that have a lasting effect across generations so that our hope is that in five, 10 years, we will work ourselves out of a job. We will have trained our replacements. It's a big reason that in Swaziland, one of the five countries where we work now, we were asked to expand from two of the nursing training schools there to all four training schools in the country, which allows us to have a really systemic countrywide impact on the quality of education and nursing leadership. It's why the president of Liberia asked us personally to come to Liberia and help her country rebuild after Ebola and to both support medicine and nursing education and training. And I think that what we've been struck by is that in the last year alone, we had over 20 requests for partnership or expansion, which I really think speaks to our model and the reputation that we're starting to build. I would say so as well. And what amazing stories that you've shared and, you know, it just kind of puts it into perspective. There is an opportunity out there to improve outcomes and in a place where it's appreciated, not that it's not here but there's an opportunity to truly improve outcomes for people that really need it and appreciate it. So I had a guest on my show not too long ago. He's the chief medical officer over at Sutter Medical Group. One of the things that his program provides for physicians is um, being able to let them go abroad and providing a stipend of like 2,500 bucks 
to help them do that. Are you guys looking for more physicians to help with your trainings? What kind of partnership could happen here? Um, no, I love that. And we're only going to solve really big problems if we do it through partnership and through collaboration. And I think think strategically about how we can complement one another to tackle these big issues. For us, one of the unique things about our model that I'm very proud of is that we require people to go for a minimum of a year. Oh, wow. That allows okay. them to, and I know that seems That's daunting, a commitment. But what it does is it allows people to build the relationships and the trust needed on the ground to be really effective at what they do. And one of the stories I love is that we had one of our volunteers was a guy from San Francisco who was under the bed fixing a Foley catheter when a Ugandan tour came through. And one of the visitors asked the Ugandan host, who's the Mzungu, which is the term for foreigner, under the bed? And the Ugandan host's response was, that's not a Mzungu, that's Ari, and he's one of us. And that was so striking to me about the impact wow. of the trust that we've built. And I think it's one of the things that's really profound for our model. We know that the big problems sometimes take big solutions. I know we're always looking for silver bullets and fast ways to achieve big outcomes. And I think there are ways that we can contribute to healthier lives, better prevention, really knocking down some of the big health challenges that we see in the world through some of those answers. But we are going to have to put the time and the effort in to training people who become health leaders and can really be profound agents of change in their country, see the country strategy that needs to be done, know how to implement the technology appropriately and in the right places, know how to use those silver bullets and to apply them widely and to disseminate them. And that's the work that Seed is very committed to. Seed Global Health is very committed to doing. I love your vision. It's so awesome, so compelling. It makes me want to go out there for a year. <laughs> you know. And for the listeners, if you do have that type of commitment, if you are looking for that stretch, you know, I think this is an organization you should follow. Seed Global Health, check them out. They're on LinkedIn. They're on social media. Definitely an organization to follow. Can you give us an example of a time when it was difficult and, you know, Dr. Carey, you had a setback and what you learned from that setback. I mean, I feel like we're starting an organization, we're only five years old, we're laced with setbacks along the way just by the nature right. of being a young organization. But we've had really rapid growth and that part has been incredibly, I think, validating and exciting to see the demand for the work that we do. I think the setbacks are, there's all different types of setbacks. I mean, I, I would say that one of the, you know, just on a personal note, a setback, for example, that I think that I had is just, for example, when I first got into this work. And I remember my first trip to Uganda and I was charged with figuring out ways that we could build partnerships with one of the institutions we were working with there. And I just went in gung-ho, ready to go, impatient, time to get things done. This is, tell me everything you can tell me and when can you meet me and how can you do it? And I got some pretty speedy feedback through you know, a colleague also working there that I had managed to insult or off-put about half the partners on the oh, ground. Boy. And I was really devastated by that because mm -hmm. I went in with the best of intentions. Right. But what I sort of had failed to realize was one, there really was a cultural norm and two, to be patient. And I think that that was a very important reminder to me that I 
feed into our work at Seed Global Health that the long, hard, real work is about partnership. It's about listening. It's about studying. It's about understanding your context. And it's about really working together. There's an African proverb that I will get slightly wrong, but they say, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go farther, go together. And I think that's a very important lesson that I try to carry with me every day because the work we do is hard. And sometimes we do need to stop and pause and defer and really ask ourselves, are we doing this right? Or what values are we putting into it? And um, I think one of the reasons we've built the reputation we've built and we've been able to expand to five countries and we've had the impact of training over 13,000 doctors, nurses, and midwives in our first four years has been because we've tried to really adhere to that kind of philosophy. If you want to go farther, go together. And listeners, think about this as you build your initiatives, whether it be here in the States, whether you be a provider, payer, industry, if you want to go farther, go together. Think about that and think about your front line. What are you doing to replace yourself? What are you doing to train your bench? What are you doing to give these people decision-making power? This is the focus that Dr. Carey and her organization do so well. What are you guys and gals doing about this for your organizations? Because this is what's going to determine the future. This is what's going to help improve outcomes. Dr. Carey, let's focus on a good thing. Tell us one of your proudest leadership moments to date. Oh my gosh. I don't know if there's any one. I, I have to tell you, I'm... I think when I can just step back and see that Seed Global Health is working at 34 sites in five countries, that we've helped train over 13,000 doctors, nurses, and midwives in four short years, that we've built a reputation, you know, that people want to work with us. That has been, it's a tremendous source of pride for me every day. We have an outstanding team. I and my colleagues are incredible. Our partners are incredible. And so every day for me, frankly, is one of huge pride. I think there have been moments where I've been pretty stunned though, or that it crystallizes a little bit more strongly. And I would say that one moment was in 2013 when our first group of 30s came to their orientation and lined up to go. And were standing there before me and something that had started as a grassroots movement, because that's how we started. We were yes. just an idea trying to get people to support it, to see the value of sending U.S. physicians and nurses and, and midwives abroad to not just deliver care, but to educate and to train. And to build that from a movement into something that became reality in a way was extraordinary. And then when we expanded in 2014, it was you know, announced that we'd be expanding to two new countries. That was a moment of just extraordinary pride because we were still going. But, you know, I got to be really honest with you. Every day that we're still standing and still having an impact, especially I think at a time when the world is changing so much, it makes me really proud. I think Seed Global Health is doing really great work. And it is wonderful work that I think not only impacts the places that we work in Africa, I think it brings benefits here home to the U.S. as well, where we know that over three quarters of the people who have participated in our program are working in education or with at-risk populations here in the United States. And so seeing Seed Global Health's impact, I think just in terms of redefining how we engage with people, how we engage in health, how we engage with one another in some ways is really important. We try to stay humble and we try to be really iterative and 
try to always make Seed Global Health be more effective at what we do. Yeah, that's really cool. And, you know, I didn't even think about that aspect of it, but the cultural dynamics and the processes that are formed abroad can really help serve in the efforts of population health in, you know, at-risk populations here in the States. And yeah, no, I think fa- it can. You know, like these people that, 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 that have dedicated themselves and then they come back, wow, like I'm sure they could just put things into perspective and say to their peers, hey, you know what? level this out. I've seen worse and we can make this happen. Like this is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's, we are, we are very blessed with a lot of resources in this country, which can make the delivery of medicine easier. I will say though, part of the reason I stay practicing clinically even a little bit, though I stepped away from my main practice is because it's really important to stay grounded in the vulnerability of being a patient. And being reminded of that through my practice is critically important because whether you're a patient in the United States or you're a patient abroad, when you're facing some sort of medical issue, you're suffering. And hopefully here in the United States, there is the possibility, you know, for treatment and care and being able to get better that is probably more robust than many places. It is more robust than many places we work, but the vulnerability of being a patient is very real in all aspects. And I think that's the special thing about being a healthcare provider, whether it's a nurse, midwife, doctor, or others, that you really have this incredible trust to do the best you can to care for folks. For sure. Yeah. It sounds like you definitely are staying connected, keeping that part of practice real that, you know, patients are people. And when they're in their biggest need, that's when they depend on you. And so I think it's so cool. Dr. Carey? Let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine today. (laughs) (laughs) It is the 101 course or the ABCs of Vanessa Carey, MD. And so we're going to run out the syllabus with this lightning round. There's four questions, and then we're going to finish it with a recommendation for a book. Oh, great. Sure. So here's the syllabus. Listeners, get ready. What is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? For me, the best way to improve healthcare outcomes is to really put more emphasis on prevention and on trying to get to the upstream causes of disease because it's far more cost effective and there's far less suffering if we can cut things off earlier rather than having to worry about treating people when things are full blown. And that for me is definitely around non-communicable disease, which is an increasing issue I think globally, in addition to some of the preventable infectious diseases that we could be treating earlier. But it's something that I think that we as an entire global culture need to be better at. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I would say the biggest pitfall to avoid is to assume that there is a silver bullet or a fast way around really big problems. It doesn't mean that you can't get a really powerful leveraging answer or impact that could have a huge effect, but it needs to be often really rooted and better set in a much more long-term and probably complex solution if you're going to really tackle a complex problem. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I think for Seed Global Health, we stay relevant because we're addressing a very fundamental problem that has needed to be addressed for years. 
the shortages of doctors, nurses, and midwives around the globe are very significant and only growing. And it's not a new problem. It's one that's been made, I can go into the history lesson, but it's a lightning round that has been made for years for a whole variety of reasons. And so for us, I think we are going to remain relevant because we are tackling a fundamental problem that if we don't tackle, we're going to find ourselves in the exact same place in 20, 30 years that we are in today. And so by the nature of training, health leadership, and future providers who continue training, we are ensuring an investment that can you know, last generations. Awesome. And finally, what is one area of focus that should drive all else in your organization? I think the one area of focus that drives all else at Seed Global Health is that we really believe that we need to close the two standards of care that exist in the world and make sure that we increase an understanding that health is integral and essential to everything we as a global community want to do. It has to critical to the economy, it is critical to climate, it is critical to political stability, it is critical to national and global security, just to personal well-being. It can be the difference between a household being above or below the poverty line. But we live in a time, it's 2017, where there remain two very profound standards of care. And that can be both across countries, but even within countries. And we are very committed to trying to close those two standards and to showing the world that it doesn't need to be in 2017. Love that. What book would you recommend, Vanessa? So there are two books. I think for lighter reading, Corelli's Mandolin is just one of my favorites. I don't know what it is about it. My mother grew up in Italy and there's an Italian humor nice. throughout the book that I just have always <laughs> adored. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful allegory. And then I think Long Walk of Freedom by Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela was a really extraordinary leader. And you know, not without tremendous sacrifice and complexity, but I think his vision, his belief, his calm, his patience, but just his optimism that we can help people do the right thing is a really powerful message and only more so today. Love it. What a what wonderful recommendation. Haven't read that one, so I'll definitely be picking that up. And listeners, don't worry about jotting this down. All of these show notes, all of these books, all of the links to Seed Global can be found at outcomesrocket.com slash seed. That's S-E-E-D. And you'll be able to access everything that we've discussed in a nice, neat format and linkable to all the things that you want. So Dr. Carey, I just want to say thank you so much. But before we conclude, I just want to offer one opportunity to give a closing thought to the listeners and then the best place where they could reach you and your team. Oh, thank you so much for letting uh, me and the story of Seed Global Health join you today. I, you know, I think my closing thought is that we really should be optimistic about these big problems. They are solvable. We just need to join together to, I, I think, tackle them and to all bring our different strengths to the table. But I think most importantly, we as a global community just need to think strategically about what are the ways that we can make us healthier, happier, safer. And for us at Seed Global Health, our contribution is really about building that healthcare leadership, the doctors, nurses, and midwives needed in these places of dire burdens of disease, but without the needed uh, personnel to help them tackle it. And if we can create a global population that is healthy, then from that comes opportunity and hopefully, I believe, more peace, security, and all of these things. And so I think it is about dreaming big, but making sure that we make a contribution to that vision. If you want to find out more about Seed Global Health, 
you can go to www.seedglobalhealth.org. And again, that's S-E-E-D, like planting the seeds for global health for years to come. Thank you so much for letting us join you. It's been a pleasure, Vanessa, and looking forward to keeping up with your organization and what your team accomplishes here in the upcoming years. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.